So, you want to market your book, but you don't have any money. What should you do? I had several listeners reach out with this question. One was a teenager and one was older, and I have an answer for all of them. So what should you do as an author if you don't have any money? We'll find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. Now, before we can talk about marketing with no money, we first must ask a fundamental question, and that is, what is money? <laughs> One way to answer this question is that it is the present reality of your past work. Another way to think of money is that it is a way to measure value. Asking, how do I market my book with no money is a bit like asking, how can I convince others to value my book without having to value it myself? To which the reader would respond, why should readers pay to read a book no one thinks is valuable enough to promote? So if you have no money, you have two options. Option number one is to become a hobbyist. To do this, all you need to do is think of the money that you spend on your book as expenses, money you will never get back. This means avoiding spending money whenever you can, and you just share your stories for free online through websites like Royal Road, Substack, or Wattpad. And if you're a hobbyist, you write for fun rather than for any other reason. Writing as a hobby is easy, low stress, relatively free, and you can write exactly what you want without having to think about or even get to know your Timothy. Just realize most hobbyists have few readers, no sales, no revenue, no tax deductions, no cultural impact, and no legacy. This really is just a hobby. If you're a hobbyist, the Novel Marketing Podcast may frustrate you because this show is the podcast for authors who want to make a living writing books worth talking about. My advice in every episode is not targeted at hobbyists. It's targeted at people who want to become or who already are professional authors. Now, let's talk about that second option, which is to become a professional. If you want to harvest, you must first plant. If you want to make a living at your writing, you must first make an investment in your writing skills. This investment is no different from becoming a professional lawyer, plumber, or teacher. Learning to become a professional author is not as expensive as law school, but it's often just as much work. So let's say you want to become a professional but don't have any money. What do you do? Well, that's what I'm going to answer in the rest of this episode. And the first step is to get a job. As Dave Jackson would say, if you don't have any money, you don't need a book, you need a job. The best kind of job you can get is in the publishing industry. This way you get paid twice, once with money and once with knowledge. This is how plumbers learn their trade. They learn by doing. As Jesus once said, until you are faithful with that which is another man's, who will trust you with that which is your own? If you want to work in publishing, the easiest kind of job to get is to identify a fear or pain that other authors have and then offer to help them with that pain. As I record this, the fear plaguing authors is domain authorization for email. SPF and DKIM records intimidate these authors and they're happy to pay someone to handle domain authorization for them so that Google and Yahoo won't mark them as spam. So, if you're listening to this, you can make money right now 
dealing with this for other authors. Just go to the authormedia.social job board and post this as a service and authors will start hiring you to take care of this for them. It's really that simple. And it's not hard to learn how to handle this. The second best job that you can get as an author is a job that allows you to rest your creative brain while exercising your body. Jobs that require physical labor are always in demand and often pay better than supposedly higher status jobs that leave you mentally trained. But really, any kind of job will be good for you. This is especially true if you're young or retired, since those are the ages where entitlement sets in. And nothing purges you of entitlement like a real job. I know I'm sounding a bit like your grandfather, but it's true. Working a job teaches you discipline, teamwork, and grit. All jobs teach you one of the most valuable skills in life, which is doing what you don't want to do now so that you can do what you do want to do later. This is a skill I'm trying to teach my small children right now. For them, it's about having dessert, but only if you eat your vegetables. If you eat what you don't like now, you can eat what you do like later. Life is not all ice cream and book signings with a long line of eager readers. If you want dessert, you must be willing to earn it. Hard work is like eating your broccoli. It's not nearly as bad as you think it is. The key is to actually start, and then it gets easier. (laughs) So now that you have a job, it's time for step two, start saving. You have been lied to your whole life about what saving is. If you buy a $10 shirt that is on sale for $8, you are not saving $2. You are spending $8. You can't save money by spending it. Saving is setting money aside today to spend it on something tomorrow. Saving is the opposite of debt. There are powerful forces in society that desperately want you to live your whole life in debt to them. Why? Because whoever you're in debt to gets to put their hand in your pocket every month. Debt is like fractional slavery. And it only makes sense financially when purchasing assets. But most people sell themselves into debt slavery for a worthless degree, a depreciating car, or a bag full of clothes that will be out of style next year. Learning how to save money is your path to financial and creative freedom. It's also the best way to have money to invest in your book. My accountant dad had a truism that he brought us up on. He would say, make enough to live on and live on what you make. If you don't have money left over at the end of each month, you either need to make more money or adapt your lifestyle to fit your income. And a key tool to help you with that is step three, create a budget. Yes, I know this is the advice your grandparents give, but it's good advice. I have an entire episode titled How to Launch Your Book on a Budget. In that episode, I go into a lot of detail about how much things cost, about what kind of money you need to do a book launch, and I get into all the nitty-gritty details. So I'll link to that episode in the show notes, and I won't stress it too much now. But I do want to explain what a budget is and how it works. A budget does not mean spending less money. The cheap option is not the budget option unless your budget calls for spending money on the cheap option. If you want to spend a lot of money on something and do it without guilt, simply put it in your budget to spend a lot of money on that thing. Then the expensive option can become the budget option. A budget is simply a plan of where your money will go. And making a budget at the beginning of the month allows you to weigh trade-offs and make your decisions holistically 
and with a cool head. The worst place to make a financial decision is in the presence of a charismatic salesperson or under the influence of marketing. My favorite budgeting tool is YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget. What's nice about that tool is that it not only makes budgeting easy and somewhat automatic because it connects with your credit cards and your debit cards and your banks, but it also teaches you budgeting in the process. So you don't need to know anything about budgeting in order to use YNAB. It is well worth the cost, and I'm very glad I switched to it. I used to use Mint. Mint is going away. YNAB is way better. And with YNAB, you're the customer, not the product being sold. Now, if you're cash poor, staying on budget may mean reducing your expenses. So let's talk about how to do that. And the most important thing is to be savvy with free tools. Many free tools are traps. Food and shelter are free for chickens and chicken coops. Why? Because the chicken is the product being sold. So how can you use free tools without becoming a chicken? Well, the first thing to look for is freemium options. These are tools that charge money for the tool, but have a free version for folks just getting started. And I like freemium options because you're always either a customer or a prospective customer. And so the company treats you well. Freemium platforms that I like and recommend include MailerLite, ConvertKit, MyBookTable, and Story Origin. The other option is to go with services that take a percentage of sales. So these are free as long as you're not making any money. But once you do make money, they charge you a percentage of the money that you're making. And in this case, again, they treat you like a customer. This includes platforms like Substack, Patreon, PayHip, Gumroad, and Lemon Squeezy. If you're short on cash, you can always move from Substack now to ConvertKit later. And this is an, an important point. One way to know if you're a customer is if you are able to leave. You're not a customer on Facebook, which means if you want to move from Facebook to X, you have to start over from scratch because you're the chicken. Whereas if you want to move from Substack to ConvertKit or from ConvertKit to MailerLite, you can do that. And it's actually really easy. So now that you have a job and are saving money and are working from a budget, it's time for step number four, invest. To understand this step, you need to understand the difference between spending money and investing money. When you spend money on a $50 shirt, that money is gone. You now own a shirt that you can wear, but you can't turn the shirt back into $50. When you spend $50 on a silver coin, you now own a coin that is worth $50, and you can sell that coin to get your $50 back. And if the cost of silver goes up, you might even make a profit. Now, the price of silver might go down, but it won't go down to zero, which means you'll never lose all of the money because silver coins have an intrinsic value. Now, another kind of asset is like a gumball machine. So let's say you buy a $500 gumball machine and you put it out where people are walking by and they can put in quarters and buy gumballs. This gumball machine allows you to turn $5 worth of gumballs into $40 worth of quarters. The gumball machine is what we would call a cash flowing investment or a cash flowing asset. It has both value in that somebody might buy the gumball machine from you in the future, but it also makes money. Unlike the silver coin, which should appreciate over time and get more valuable, the gumball machine will depreciate, which means it gets less valuable over time as it slowly wears out and breaks down. And typically that's the trade-off between something that appreciates but doesn't make money or depreciates but does make money. 
The one exception is real estate, which can often both appreciate and cash flow, which is why it's such an expensive asset class. <laughs> but anyway, back to expenses versus investments. The shirt is an expense you spend money on. The silver coin and the gumball machine are investments because they have intrinsic value. So with that money that you saved in step number two, you don't want to spend that money. You want to invest it. So what do you invest it in? Well, there's several things, and I'll take you through them in order of priority. The first thing you want to invest in is education. The more educated you are, the better your books will be. The more educated you are, the easier it will be to get a job in the publishing industry so you can get paid twice. The more educated you are, the more aspects of publishing you can handle yourself, saving you money if you want to do the things yourself. And the more educated you are, the easier it is to hire savvy assistants if you don't want to do things yourself. The more educated you are, the easier it is to spot scams and the more effective your marketing will be leading to more book sales. The more educated you are, the faster you can write, allowing you to publish more books each year. That means more money. The more educated you are, the more you can barter your skills for the skills of someone else. You can trade editing for book cover design or web design for advertising assistance. The more educated you are, the more other authors and industry professionals will respect you. So education is a good investment. So where should you invest in education? Well, the first place is in free education. You can check out books on craft at the library and you can binge free podcasts like this one. There are over 300 episodes of novel marketing helping you sell more books and make a living writing books worth talking about. Now, there are free education sources I would avoid. And the biggest one is free Facebook groups. These tend to be filled with bad advice from unsuccessful authors. There's a certain kind of person who likes feeling like an author by giving writing advice, even though they've never had any publishing success themselves. And these people are drawn to free author Facebook groups like gadflies, and they just share so much bad advice that the good advice that is shared on those Facebook groups can be hard to sort from the bad advice. And so I recommend just avoiding those Facebook groups altogether. Now, at some point, you will get where you need to start paying for education, actually investing more than just time, but investing money as well. So what do you spend the money on? Well, the first thing is books. Not every book you're going to want to read will be in the library, particularly marketing books or cutting edge books. Those are less likely to be in the library. Courses. Courses are a great investment in education, but pick courses that you will complete. An online course can be transformative, but only if you invest the time to actually complete the course. If you spend money on a course and then don't watch the videos or do the homework, it's not an investment. It's an expense. That money is gone. <laughs> the final thing you'll want to invest money in is personalized feedback. But I'd only spend money on this after you've exhausted what the courses and books have to teach. Now, I will say there's a really cheap place where you can get coaching, and that's by becoming a novel marketing patron. For $4 a month, you can pick my brain at the monthly patrons-only Q&A. So it's a it's not much money, <laughs> and I really enjoy answering questions from listeners like you. I would avoid expensive university education. Universities are overpriced and ineffective, and $100,000 of debt is a terrible way to start a writing career, and very few MFAs go on to be professional authors. I actually have an entire episode on this where we really go into the numbers and the details where I prove this somewhat controversial 
position. So I really believe that university is a waste of money if you want to become an author. And if you don't believe me, listen to my episode, Do Novelists Need a College Writing Degree? And listen to that episode before you send your angry emails. <laughs> All right. The next thing to invest your money on is marketing assets. So marketing assets help you sell more books. These are things like a website, an email list, a podcast, a blog, speaking opportunities, and there's a whole bunch more. I have a whole episode called How to Develop Book Marketing Assets that walk you through not these, but others. You don't need all of the assets, so don't freak out. You don't need a podcast. But if a podcast plays to your strengths and is appealing to your target reader, a podcast could be a very good investment. The next thing I would invest in is quality publishing. Certain aspects of your book are worth investing in professional quality rather than doing those things yourself. Specifically, the book cover. You got to spend money on a book cover. And that's that's what you're saving your money on is to spend it on a book cover because a book with a good book cover will pay for that money back in additional sales because it, it really matters. The cover really matters. And the same is true with the editing and to a lesser degree, the back cover copy. Some authors can create their own back cover copy, but you can't edit yourself and you really can't do a good book cover yourself. I've almost never met an author who made more money doing the book cover themselves than an author who paid for a professional and got a good book cover and they made additional money to cover the cost of that real professional book cover. So what do you avoid here? I would avoid paying someone to publish your book for you. Professional indie authors use Amazon KDP, which is free. And as you invest in your education, you will learn that hybrid publishers are typically a trap. And the words of Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. The next thing I would invest in is advertising. So once you learn how to advertise profitably, advertising transforms from an expense to an investment. If you can spend $500 on ads and make $700 in profit selling your book, you have your $500 back plus $200 besides. And you can spend that $500 on ads again if you want to and make another $200. Once you unlock profitable advertising, buying ads becomes like selling gumballs from the gumball machine. It's a profitable investment. Now, to advertise effectively, your book needs a clickable cover, and I have an episode on that, good marketing copy, and I have an episode on that, and good product market fit, and I recently recorded an episode on that as well. Authors who don't have all three of those things are unable to advertise profitably, and if you've tried advertising and it hasn't been profitable. It's likely one of those three things, or you just haven't learned author advertising enough, which is one of the things I'd invest in. It's not just doing ads, but learning advertising. I have a lot of episodes on author advertising, and I'll be adding a module on advertising to my course, Obscure No More, very soon. It's the very next module on the docket. So now that you have a job, you're saving money, you're working from a budget, and you're strategically investing that money that you saved, the final step is step number five, crowdfunding. If readers want to buy your book, but you can't afford to produce the book to sell them, what do you do? Well, the answer is crowdfunding. This is where readers pre-order your book now to give you the funds you need to pay for the edits and the printing. To make crowdfunding work, you need just two things. One is the money to get a great book cover. <laughs> That's critical, and you won't be able to do a crowdfunding campaign without a cover. 
and two, a large email list of excited readers. Crowdfunding not only gets you the money faster, but it gets you more of it. A typical crowdfunding reader spends $40, while the typical Amazon reader spends around seven. Oh, and you get to keep 90% of the money rather than 25 to 70% you would get from Amazon. I have a lot of episodes of where I interview authors who successfully crowdfunded their book. This is despite the fact that this topic typically does not do well in terms of downloads. I think some authors just have a mental block when it comes to crowdfunding. They hear the word Kickstarter or they hear the word crowdfunding and they just stop listening. And if that's you, please listen to my interviews with these crowdfunding authors. These are folks who are raising between $7,100, $8,600, and $16,000 for debut novels. This isn't authors like Brandon Sanderson raising $40 million on his 40th book. These are authors who have not yet published a book and are starting off their publishing career with $7,000 in the bank to cover their expenses. This is a very doable, reproducible process. And if you're broke, spending time learning Kickstarter just might change everything. And if you want help, I have a course on crowdfunding. It's one of my cheapest courses. And if you're a patron, you can get it for half off that already low price. I'm really trying to help you here. But I also have all those free episodes on crowdfunding. So please, please give crowdfunding a consideration, especially if you're cash poor. So where do you get business help? If you're wanting more help with the money side and the career side of publishing, I recommend that you check out my episode, Seven Business Mistakes That Ruin Author Careers. <laughs> Sometimes just avoiding the common mistakes is all you need to find success. I also have a course titled The Tax and Business Guide for Authors. This is a special course because I teach it alongside my dad, who is a CPA who's been working with authors for over 40 years. And we talk about whether or not you're eligible for tax deductions and how to become eligible for tax deductions. We talk about 19 different tax deductions that authors can take advantage of. I teach on how to create a business plan. We talk about how and when to form an LLC, how to reduce your chances of being audited by the IRS and more. This course is a lot cheaper than hiring a CPA. And if you take this course, it will allow you to have a much more educated conversation with your CPA when you finally get one. And you can learn more about that course at authortaxtips.com. And yes, this is one of the courses where patrons save 50%. So it's worth it to become a patron first. It's only $4 a month and you can save 50% off the price of that course. Speaking of patrons, I want to thank the new patrons. We had a lot of new patrons this month because we hosted a patrons only ice cream social in Austin, Texas. So everyone who was a patron got ice cream and a chance to meet each other and to meet me. And those new patrons who joined last month are the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, Kelly Perry, Michelle Miller, David Umstadt, Crystal Lynn, Rebecca P. Minor, Kendra E. Ardenick, Danita Cummins, Sherry Frizonki, M.N. Stroh, Kara Swanson, Mark, Gwen Lockstadt, Charlize Estes, Kemi Tang, Kit Carson, Michelle Howell, Janine Garrett, Peggy Borgman, Deanna, Teresa, Eileen, and Paul. Thank you so much for being patrons. Thank you for supporting this podcast and allowing me to make a living supporting my family with this podcast. It's because of you and all of the other patrons. Our sponsor today is Realm Makers. If you're a Christian author writing speculative fiction, you will find your tribe at Realm Makers. 
Since 2012, Realm Maker's mission has been to serve authors of fantasy and science fiction through every aspect of their career. Realm Makers has grown into much more than just a writer's conference. Every January, eligible books can be submitted for a Realm Award and a chance to win a contest that actively sells your book at homeschool conventions, book festivals, and their physical bookstore called Bookish at the King of Prussia Mall in the Philly suburbs. Each February, the Winter Writing Retreat is available for those authors who want to get away and focus on their manuscript and writing career. At the annual Realm Makers Writers Conference in July, you will meet with literary agents, pitch your book to editors from both the general market and Christian publishing, get trained on how to self-publish, and geek out with fellow authors who totally understand both your genre and worldview. Realm Makers even has a dedicated social network where you can stay connected all year round. Visit realmmakers.com and join the Realm Makers community today. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of AuthorMedia.com. The audio engineering is by William Umstadt. The blog post is crafted by Shauna Lettler, and you can find that blog post along with links to everything I talked about today. And there were a lot of links today. <laughs> you can find that at AuthorMedia.com slash 404. I think I linked to like 20 or 30 episodes that go into more detail on the various things. So that's authormedia.com slash 404. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.